0: Welcome to the Matrix Care podcast from the software leaders for out of hospital and long-term care providers. Matrix Care is dedicated to sharing knowledge and building awareness among providers across the spectrum, from home care to skilled nursing to senior living and life plan communities. Our topics focus on industry-specific trends or specific technology that's shaping our industry. We hope we can educate and entertain along the way. So we're glad you joined us today. My name is Dr. Vore, Director of Enterprise Interoperability at Matrix Care and host of today's podcast. Today we're going to listen in on a conversation between Naveen Gupta, Vice President, Home Care Solutions for Matrix Care, and his special guest, Jerry Bridge, a speaker, trainer, and author for healthcare. With a focus on senior care, Jerry's presentations and educational sessions are designed to inspire leadership improve performance, and enhance work-life balance and well-being. His book, Who Cares? The Give and Take of Family Caregiving, is widely recognized by healthcare professionals as an inspiring, uplifting memoir for anyone with a family caregiving challenge or story. Today's topic, Can a People Culture Act as a Business Differentiator? Naveen, the microphone is yours.
1: Thank you, Doc. Uh, I really appreciate you uh, always helping us uh, you know, do these podcasts. And Jerry, welcome. Uh, you know, it was absolutely amazing getting to meet you at, at Directions. Um, and you know, y- your talk uh, on the second day was one of the most well-attended, most appreciated of over 100 talks that happened in Nashville. So welcome again, and thank you for making time.
2: Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. I really uh, was honored to uh, to be the guest speaker for uh, this year's annual conference. And uh, you know, I, I met with several of your folks beforehand, and we just really talked about you know what what are the, the hot issues and the topics that um, that I could address, given my background, which I'll go into in a little bit, but also given the the real uh, the um, uh, challenges in the senior care industry. that leaders are facing and that caregivers are facing. So yeah, I think all in all it worked out uh, that topic, leadership, culture, and well-being. Um, You know, how do leaders thrive in the face of massive challenges around staffing shortages and issues of caregiver burnout and well-being? You know, how do we uh, imbue our culture, uh, create cultures in which all of our people can thrive? And, and that goes to well-being. So um, if I may, I'll just give you a, a, just a brief background about how I kind sure. of got to be speaking in the healthcare industry and, and got to that point with Absolutely. that topic. So, so for uh, 30 years now, I can't believe uh, I, I started out uh, as an educator uh, really in the uh, uh, physician uh, practice management uh, level of teaching around the country, teaching practice management strategies for building in collections and running their practices. And, and so I did that for successfully for about a decade. And then uh, really beyond that, my, my true passion is, um, is le- leading a life of well-being and full self-expression. And so that sort of um, dovetailed nicely for me as I began to develop a, sort of a motivational business and since I had already been speaking to healthcare audiences uh, anyway, it sort of was a natural fit for me to continue to find ways to make a difference in the industry. And, and one of the things I noticed over the years was, and ironically, was you know, just how hard folks are working in healthcare, care and are they themselves um, uh, stressed out and uh, unfortunately sometimes burned out um, by virtue of trying to kick, take care of others. So it's really kind of an irony that was not lost on me. And so what I began to do was to try to do whatever I could to to develop programs based on my own um, experience and principles that I practiced to kind of live and work well in a time where, you know, everybody just seems to have, you know, way more to do than time to do it. And then combined, uh, yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, go,
1: go ahead, Jerry. Go ahead, Jerry.
2: I was just—I was just going to say, uh, combined with my personal experience, I think um, in in my memoir, I, I had the unfortunate experience of uh, losing my my brother, my sister, um, uh, and my mother to cancer in a ten-year period, and uh, and then my dad had to had to support him in the face of losing two children, and his wife of sixty years, and uh, so that was a devastating experience as a I was, their, I was their caregiver, more or less, um, from uh, you know hospitalizations through specialty care, psychiatric care, all levels of care, and then finally through to hospice, which with, with each and every one of my my family members. So um, while that was unfortunate, I, I did have the the blessing of being there as a, as each and every one of them you know took their last breaths, and what that gave me was a profound. Um, respect for the people that that do that kind of work,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and and so it's all I want to do uh, is to be able to do what I can do, as they say, to empower those folks in healthcare in general, but uh, more recently to the to the senior care market, and that's I think what uh, what led me to to you guys and the keynote
1: right you know jerry um a uh, i'm thankful in 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 many ways that you know the journey that you took through because uh, all of those uh, experiences you know tremendously uh, you know your passion comes through it was um, absolutely uh, inspirational um i know so you've got a very um uh, you know front row seat to the to the long term care space and uh, you know and through all of that what you've really talked about is uh, really being able to care for people right in terms of their well-being um, what you've described as uh, a lot of the caregivers working uh, many many hours and what we'd like to really do is ideally prevent them from from being stressed out uh, or burned out and um, you know through that through that conversation, through your talk you know it it really boiled down to company culture and right? organizational culture as to how do you really take care of people um, yes. and and whether that that people culture can act as as a business uh, differentiator. you know when I think about culture i you know I, I often think about you know the literary theorist Terry Eagleton you know he writes. It's kind of a, a, a social unconsciousness, right? So within any organization, culture is really values, customs, beliefs, you know, symbolic practices that men and women live and breathe each day, and sure. you know, over a period of time, they become habitual and accrue to something coherent and meaningful. And I think all that you described of really taking care of your people so that they can do their job well um, yes. particularly where the where, whether they where they are in the business uh, of providing care absolutely A- absolutely and 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 the good news is
2: <laughs> even while you know we're in this time now, and this kind of goes to you know i mean how do we do this you know people have i think in their heart of hearts they want to have whole lives where they are well and self expressed and and can make the difference they want to make. And yet, you know, over the last 20, 25 years, you know, the world has changed so dramatically, and that's largely, you know, driven by, you know, the digital revolution. We are, Naveen, we are all the experiment at the beginning of that revolution in terms of, you know, as, you know, how do we live and work in a world where, you know, we have way more to do than time to do it, you know, for me, I like to say it's like trying to get a drink of water out of a fire hydrant. You know, when that's you start your day in the morning, right? <laughs> and, and and so, you know, there's this underlying commitment. You know, anybody that's in healthcare and certainly in senior care, you know, they wouldn't be there if they they didn't want to make a difference in people's lives and the quality of their lives. It's too hard otherwise. Right. So so and, and yet now you layer that with, okay, you know, there's. There's legal matters, there's, there's government issues, there's, there's understaffing, and so on and so forth. Um, as I was doing my research for the talk that we, we did, that it was able to do for, for Matrix Care in the keynote, um, I happened upon uh, the podcast that you did with Neil Kurzban about yes. what he's doing, what it is his home care, and I think it's totally relevant if I can just mention yes. that here uh, because we're talking about culture. And first of all, when I called Neil, um, he's the CEO of a a fairly large home care uh, business on the East Coast in Maryland, called me back within an hour, which was, like, amazing. And that goes to the kind of integrity, one of the transformational principles that I want to talk about later. But when we spoke, uh, he was very generous and very kind to to share about some of the things he spoke about with you about Mm -hmm. how, you you know, in a nutshell, he said, culture is everything. Right. That, his, that his company is first and foremost for the caregivers and for the people that they care for. So so everything is structured around that, everything in terms of training, modeling, uh, um, uh, the way they pay folks. Um, and as it turns out, uh, they have less than a 14% caregiver turnover rate. Turnover, turnover right. rate. Yes. In an industry average where we're approaching, you know, what, 66%, something like that?
1: Yes, very uh, high.
2: Completely unsustainable. Uh, uh, and so there is, not only is this a good idea, but it's these conversations that we're having are completely like, we, they're necessary because if you don't have the caregivers, there's no care. Right. It doesn't,
1: doesn't matter what kind of software you have if, if there's not a healthy person there to work the program. Right. <laughs> So Jerry, I, you know, so if you look at Matrix Care, we're, we're a technology company. In fact, our mission yeah. is, you know, to leverage technology to improve quality of life for America's seniors and those who care for them. And we're talking about, you know, really those who care for them. In your talk in particular, you say technology alone is not the solution, and we agree. Right. And you say, what's needed are human solutions, expanded capacities for empathy, love, compassion, and connection to counter the negative, overwhelming impact of stress and burnout on our mind, body, soul, and spirit. Jerry, if you could just unpack that for us, what do you mean by human solutions here? Sure, absolutely. So first
2: of all, this, this, this talk and what you're talking about developed for me very organically it was maybe back in 2004 where i was starting my day like i did most days by checking my email <laughs> there was so many there was already so much unanswered email that was not responded to there was like a punch in the gut it really was for me it was the wake up call that got me started on this path so and let me also say that i'm not against technology this really is this really is a pathway where the world we live in is driven by it and how do we so do we, how do we partner with it so that we're whole, we're healthy, and we're well in the face of it? And um, so I think the first thing uh, is to kind of, kind of get a self-evaluation to understand to begin to be, become aware of the, of the impacts on yourself, the impacts of too much time spent with your technology. Let's say maybe where you're doing e bill dispositions at 3 o'clock in the morning and you're not right. sleeping through the night. You know, human beings need rest. There's a lot of science and there's a lot of, you know, podcasts and news daily about, you know, how much sleep we need and, and we're not getting it. So um, as I say, you know, just the world has changed so much and they, they, we've seen an explosion in the, the speed and the volume and complexity of information coming at us, and that generally, as I'm speaking around the country again, I mean, I'm, I'm getting this experience, you know, firsthand where I'm asking, you know, people in interviews and surveys that that, that there's a general mood where people are more or less stressed. It's not a matter of, you know, being stress-free. It's the, the expectation is I'm going to be more or less stressed. So, so. You know, for me, um, how we get at it is, uh, you know, just starting with ourselves. And, um, you know, I started practices. uh, Sorry, I lost my train of thought there for a second. Uh, I have some notes here that I wanted to get at. Um, But, yes, we're talking about uh, expanding our capacities. Right. So, you know, we as human beings, we have... Um, the ability to within ourselves uh, expand our unlimited we we have an unlimited resource or capacity for being for being well or for being present. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start. With, I'm going to start with that. So if you think of um, sort of three circles on the on the one circle there's B in the middle circle there's do. And maybe on the outside circle there's half so being and doing and having and so we live like where if we can do enough, if we can work hard enough and we can work long enough, then maybe we could catch up or we could almost catch up and we could be satisfied or we could be complete or we can be well or you could also say, well if I do enough if right I do enough. If I do enough work or if I have enough and the fact of the matter is in the 21st century you and I are never going to do enough we're never going to work long enough we're never going to have the, the the enough technology <laughs> to be whole right complete, to be satisfied so as a human being we're talking about in the order of being right and and Essentially, culture is people, is human beings. And so so if that's true, and it is, then how do we develop expanded capacities to be present, to be well, to, to be empathetic? And so that's the opening for the pathway. And then kind of once you're there, then in my case, I said, okay, well, I naturally gravitate to the kinds of things that I kind of thought about doing, Nadine, but was it like meditation, like spending less time with my technology when it wasn't necessary. Right. Like reading things that made my soul, made me feel good. Right. Like Like eating foods that were sustainable. So that kind of gets at... Expanding your own capacities
1: yeah jerry i think I think that 's really helpful you know I think what what I take away from what you 've just shared is is just recognizing that we will never be able to you know have enough do enough you know just the just the the, the, the diagram that you just painted visually for us right, and how we need to find these expanded capacities and and i 'll want you to unpack that even even further. Uh, you know through all of this, even as you've, um, you you 're talking about expanding our capacities for all of these different yeah. areas of love, compassion, and connection, and so on so on and so forth, there are certain transformational principles yeah. uh, that you talk about right that drive yeah. Yeah. higher engagement, happier people and the yeah. way we tie it is we tie it back to the organization if you are happier and you are um, you know, you, your being is well. It's going to yes. translate into higher engagement, and, and ultimately that will try, you know, drive organizational success. So so talk to yep. us a little bit about what, what are these, some of these transformational sure. principles? Sure, absolutely. Let me just give you some context to the principles that I want to share.
2: So um, since I'm 20 years old, I've really been a lifelong student of personal and individual transformation. So I'm always looking for... You know, kind of ways to to have an edge, and those principles and practices that allow for breakthroughs, and and are accessible and provide extraordinary results. And so, it's that path that led me to the extraordinary work of a gentleman by the name of Werner Erhard, uh, as some of your listeners may know of him. But uh, whether or not they do, Werner's been a leader in creating transformational models and applications for individuals and organizations for over 40 years. As a matter of fact, the Financial Times reported that uh, Werner Earhart's influence extends far beyond the couple of million people who have done his courses, and there's hardly a self-help book or a management training program that does not borrow some of his principles. Right. Werner was a, was a guy back in the 70s who was taught, one of the first guys was talking about making a difference and transformation and working with Buckminster Fuller and other folks. And also he's working with Michael Jensen. This is the from the principles that I'm going to share with you. So he yes. and Michael Jensen, and Michael Jensen is the uh, a professor emeritus from Harvard Business School and chairman of the Social Science Research Network. So in their paper, uh, they describe really four principles that I'll delve into a little bit. So the principle being authentic. Right uh, be, uh, being cause in the matter of everything in your life, being committed to something bigger than oneself and being a person of organizational uh, uh, being a person or an organizational integrity so um, and and j- just let me say something about values because very often people confuse principles with values, and so we right. so so the authors really want to distinguish that in the discussion about these principles, we're not concerned with values. That is, we're not concerned with what's considered good as opposed to bad or right as opposed to wrong. Um, So these authors advocate these four values not because they're right, but simply because they're in each of our personal uh, self-interest and our organization's self-interest. And the insights into the actual nature and function of these principles, they're the foundation for transformational leadership for organizations and for individuals. And the principles, if they're practiced, uh, and I can tell you from personal experience they work, they create workability, trust, peace, uh, and joy, and private social value. Yeah. And then last, lastly, um, these principles provide a pathway for both us as individuals, for organizations, and for societies to realize to actually realize uh, what much of what people generally think that ethics and morals produce and if we just look at the state of the world around us then obviously um, you know the later has the latter has not produced what has worked so here we go let me just talk about um, being cause as one of the principles so these are in no particular order right and I, want to sh- I want to share about these and um, again you know for your listeners, you know, you guys have the, the white paper on these, and and they can actually, you know, read for themselves or practice. So um, by being cause in the mat, matter, Naveen, mm-hmm. um, we, me, we mean being cause in the matter of everything in your life as a stand you take for yourself and life and acting from that stand. To take the stand that you are cause in the matter as contrasted with it being your fault, or that you failed, or that you're to blame, or even that you did it. Right. Now, now let me say that it's not true that you are the cause of everything in your life. The fact that, that you are the cause of everything in your life is a place to come from, from which to view and deal with life. A place that solely exists as a matter of choice. The stand that one is cause in the matter is a declaration not an assertion of fact. It simply says, you can count on me and I can count on me to look at and deal with life from the perspective of being, causing the matter.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, so this is extraordinary. And for me, I mean, I can tell you almost daily when something will will happen, somebody will break their word, um, right. You know, some issue will arise, and it, 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 it's upsetting. The circumstances aren't going the way that I want them to. And if I'm practicing being the cause, it leaves me with a choice. I can go down the road where I'm making the person wrong, I'm making the organization wrong, blah, 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 or I have an opportunity to be responsible in a way that leaves me empowered that right. where I'm being caused, it means by definition, by necessity, that I give up the right to be a victim. And right. can, you, can you imagine an organization? I'm just think if we think personally of those organizations that we've dealt with, whether they're airlines or restaurants or any time where we're trying to really get through to a person. Right. If who they, if who they were being was causing the matter,
1: <laughs> the the power in that, right? So, Jerry, would it, is, is that similar to personal responsibility? Is there that element of, um, would would you would you see it that way? Yeah, you know, yeah, it, it is personal responsibility.
2: It's um, it's uh, you know, it's it, and when and and I think. Um, for me, personal responsibility. See, before I really started practicing being cause in the matter, like taking a stand, yes, yes. Um, I could be like, oh well, I'm responsible, like, right? But how? But how come they're not? <laughs> right. right. So, so, it was kind of like a you or me world. Like a, there's me over here and there's you over there, and you know, and I can certainly act like I'm being responsible. Well, I kept my word, and how come they didn't, Right, or they didn't kind of a thing? So I think the answer is yes, but I think that may fall short of what we're trying to say here. Sure, sure. Yeah, and uh, and it's not easy because, man, you know, when we're right, we're right. I, I, I had a business that I sold and a partner. Uh, I had a partner that we had disagreements, and he was going to buy me out, and we had a contract. And at some point, he simply stopped paying the contract. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and so, <laughs> and you can imagine, you know, it's one thing to talk about a relationship, you know, and then you bring in money, right? You know, right. and <laughs> you know, and you bring in, you know, the disloyalty. And for a long time, I, you know, I was not being the cause. I was, how come you didn't? You did it to me, and blah 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 and as much as i didn't like it you know i looked at it i went into business with a guy that i didn't really know mm. i didn't i didn't do due diligence i just went oh okay i'm sure everything will be fine and you know look what happened so do i like the fact that you know he didn't pay me no but it doesn't change the fact that i didn't do my homework before going in right now, i still i could have done my homework and maybe it would have happened anyway but I'm just looking to see how I can own it because even if ultimately I'm right and he's wrong, what I'm interested in is I'm interested in being the one left in power. And there's no way you or I can left be empowered if we're the victim. It just doesn't work that way.
1: Jerry, that is incredibly, incredibly powerful what you've just shared. And, 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 and it is empowering as well. Uh, mm. You know, being caused in the matter. So I think that is uh, definitely yeah. helpful. And then, you, you know, you 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 talked about being authentic as the yeah. uh, Not in any particular order, but that was something uh, else you mentioned. Yeah.
2: So so let me let me talk about this. Um, you know, as a as a speak. So let me just say uh, uh, from how the authors describe authenticity. So they say being authentic is being and acting consistent with who you hold yourself out to be for others and including who you hold yourself out to be for yourself. So when leading, when being a leader, being authentic leaves you grounded and being able to be straight with others without use of force. So let me just unpack that a little bit. So as a leader, there have been times in my life where I've been a manager, I've been a leader, I've had people that have been accountable to me and certainly as a leader when I'm leading keynotes or workshops, authenticity for me is the, is the, the ground of being, it's the core uh, without which I'm completely lost. And what that means for me is I've got to sort of check any ego that I have at the door, any pretense of having it all together you know, because I don't have it all together. We none of us do. We're all human beings, right? And we've all we've all probably been uh, either to workshops or been listening to managers or leaders who are just not being real with us. Like they're they're pretending. Like, hey, you know, they're, they're, there's just something they're not saying. And and so what I found is I've had the most power, and I've been able to be the most straightforward and the most natural. When I can say, hey, you guys, you know, I've been struggling with, you know, my own abilities to be effective or produce results or to make money or my own well-being issues, you know, with my family. This is what I'm dealing with. You know, and people, they resonate with that.
1: Yeah, it's... and Jerry, it it's, it speaks to the culture, right, that allows you to be in that state, just to just exactly what you described, to be truly authentic, right, yep. and have yep. that safety that you can be that way. Yes, yes,
2: being authentic creates safety, which builds trust. And without that kind of safety and trust, you know, um, leaders are cut off from the people that they lead. And the workforce is cut off from their leaders because, you know, if it's a culture of mistrust, then how do I know if I share this, it's going to be taken uh, as it's meant or it's not going to be gossiped about. You know, it reminds me, you know, when I was talking to Neil Kurzban, the CEO of uh, um, family nursing uh, in, in Maryland, the one that I interviewed, he told me that what they have is they have somebody on staff called the caregiver advocate. Yes. Yes. and I was so blown away by that. I thought, I mean, without him even describing that, I could already hear that. And, and as he did describe it, was this was a person that the caregivers could go to with absolute trust and 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 describe what they were and share what they were feeling about being overwhelmed, or maybe they were caring for a family member who they had been caring for for ten, fifteen years who died. Right, and that was a and that was a, that's a loss to the caregiver as well as the family. Hundred percent. And so they need to be able to, for God's sakes, we're human beings. We need to be able to to be, to be whole and complete again, which goes to integrity. They right. need to be able to share. And she told me, because I interviewed, her name is Hannah. She's the caregiver advocate. And she said, what they, she said they love it. She said, I love it, and they love it. They come to me with their problems. If they have to do an issue about insurance, if they need to work on their scheduling, they don't want to call the scheduler because maybe they don't want to be seen like they're, you know, nagging the scheduler. They want to they want to feel safe, and they know because I'm the caregiver advocate that anything they tell me is going to be held in trust. And so as a result, like I say, they have less than a 14% caregiver rate. They hire less than 7% of the folks that come to work for them because their culture is so strong. Yes. So that goes to authenticity, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, 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 you know, I think the other two that you talked about is yeah. uh, committed to being bigger than, uh, you know, oneself, right? And integrity. Yeah, yeah. If you could just very quickly touch on those, uh, you know, I think just to, sure. be able to round that out because these principles yeah. um, are are tremendously powerful and they speak to a culture, uh, you know, yeah. of, of, of any organization, and it's very, very helpful.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'll just say one last thing about – you know there, there's no authentic you can 't pretend to be authentic you know that's that's sort of the irony um, there's nothing authentic about pretending to be authentic that 's just yes. another pretense so 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 it's if you if you do the work and you do and you, and you, and you read these papers and that they're not you know it 's maybe five or six pages so the actionable access uh, for authenticity and the only path is to just be authentic about your own authenticities is to, yes. to recognize it in the moment and to find that self within yourself where you can sort of have self-compassion. People will, they will gravitate you for it. We're, we're starving for that. And just to be honest about it and own that. So so that, that, that really works. Now, um, being committed to something bigger than oneself, um, you know, we see this in leaders from, you know, Nelson Mandela to, you know, all the great leaders around the world. Uh, yes. I was watching a um, uh, a documentary yesterday on a guy named uh, Benjamin Ferencz, who at 27 years old was one of the prosecutors at the Nuremberg trial where they were, man, this guy was 27 years old. He was so green. And and he was the person who has since developed um, the whole, uh, all the protocols for prosecuting international war crimes. It did not exist before, before wow. he literally stood for them. And the man is 98 years old. He's still doing this. And, you know, it's that kind of, now we're all not going to be, you know, Mother Teresa or Mandela, but, but you you look at these examples and in each and every case, you know, people have been, you know, imprisoned wrongly for for their lifetimes and come out, you know, whole and complete people. They find, they are able to find a larger purpose, you know, for me, you know, in my work, you know, and with my family, you know, I honor my family, you know, yes. uh, by 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 doing the kind of work that that I do and the commitment to you know empowering people that work and care, to whatever I can do, uh, and I will do that until you know until they tell me to stop. Yes. You know, so so it's a it's a reason for being that allows a person, you know, when you find yourself, and every person the authors talk about who has a who has a life worth living and a great life to each one of us, we will find ourselves in what they call the valley of tears and that is where you you, you come to find where you, you you just are spent. You have nothing within yourself to keep going except for the commitment that you made to making a difference. In my case, you know, when I found that that my brother, the oncologist told me that my brother was also gonna die within a week or so. My father had already lost one daughter He had lost his wife of 60 years, and I had to find the strength within me to tell my 90-year-old dad because the caregiver said, well, does your father have dementia? I said, no. Does he see now? No. They said, well, you have to tell him. Mm. And, oh, my God, I wrote about it in my book. It was, Naveen, it was the hardest thing that I ever had to do in my life. And as it turns out, I told him, and it was terrible. And I had the rabbi there. I, I went the next day. I took my dad so he could say goodbye to my brother. He sang him a song. But I, but I, but as it turns out, I was so thankful that I had that capacity because had I not done otherwise, and the only way I could get there was by you know connected with with something larger than myself. Yeah. And and so I'm I'm betting that. You and and all the folks that you work with, and the people that um, uh, that do the work, especially in caregiving, they all have something that they can resonate relate to about that. And, and then if I can just touch on that last principle of a person of integrity or organizational integrity. Essentially, yeah. what essentially what we're talking about is um, uh, hang on one second. Sorry, uh, let's see. Is integrity is a positive model. So you know, you say integrity, and people, you know, I know, like when I'm driving a car and I hear the, <laughs> I hear the police siren in the background, and the <laughs> adrenaline starts going. I'm always, I'm always afraid I'm the one that's going to be pulled over, whether I am or not. So you think of integrity. Integrity is like that for me. It's like, oh, what, hell, what, what are the things I've done wrong in my life that I've got to hide and hope that nobody finds out. <laughs> so, <laughs> So so the authors have created this positive model in which they use Webster's definition of integrity as the quality or state of being complete, unbroken condition, wholeness. The quality or state of being unimpaired, a perfect condition, soundness. So that's it. It's not, oh my God, I'm a bad person, I didn't keep my word. It's a state of being whole, and an object or a person has integrity when it when it is whole and complete. Any uh, reduction in wholeness or completeness is a reduction in workability. So if you think of a wheel with missing spokes, that that wheel is not whole and complete. It will become out of round. Right. It'll work less it'll work less well and eventually it will stop working entirely. So just like with the law of gravity, where you know we live in a world where you, know, you drop something off your desk it's going to hit the ground it's the same thing with the laws of integrity or the law of integrity and the law of integrity states that as integrity declines so think about this personally i didn't keep my word i didn't acknowledge it or the organization said it would do something and it didn't do it as as integrity declines workability declines and as workability declines the value and the opportunity for performance declines or erodes. Thus, the maximum of whatever performance measure you choose requires integrity. Right. And for the and for the most part, we're not attending to that. For the most part, we're giving excuses. Well, I didn't because, and I should have, but only, and blah 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 and on and on and on, rather than saying, listen, I can't do this by Tuesday, but can I negotiate with you by when I can deliver this, you know, piece of, you know, a work product? And, yeah, Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. 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 I I, I, I was just going to say, you know, uh, what the authors have seen and what I've seen is that as organizations begin to, work from the principle of integrity as being whole and complete, as giving your word and completing it. uh, And also, because we're not always gonna keep our word, we can honor our word by acknowledging it. And that's the piece that's missing. So we're not always gonna be able to keep our word, but we honor our word by, by acknowledging, okay, I didn't do it here, but I can do it there. And when we begin to do this with organizations, Those organizations that actually practice this kind of integrity, they are looking at an increase in productivity of a range anywhere from 100
1: to 500% just by introducing the law of integrity. Wow. Jerry, you know, thank you. Thank you for sharing these human solutions, these transformation principles of being Cause in the matter, you know, talking about authenticity, committed to yeah. a bigger purpose, and you know, just being, you know, talking about integrity, the state of being whole. Um, yeah. You know, I'm just connecting that back to. Um, You know, culture and organizational culture and people, Uh, if leaders and people begin embracing this, uh, particularly in healthcare, we're talking about just, you know, massive labor shortages, uh, what you described right at the end, um, you know, the ability to be able to uh, improve productivity, but more than just productivity, you know, which we need. Uh, but yeah. striving higher engagement, you know, happier people, and in general, uh, what we talk about well-being. So, Jerry, thank yeah. you. I, I I sincerely appreciate uh, you taking the time. And obviously, we, we recommend your book. Who cares? And uh, uh, hopefully, okay. more people will get um, sure will be able to get a copy of that and be able to, to dive in more. Sorry, you want to say yeah. something,
2: Jerry? Oh, I was just I was just gonna say that. Um, so, in some of the source material, there's something called the playbook. Right. Which I've which I, which I've developed and that's free for people. It's it's 50 pages and um, I have um, I have caregivers around the cur- uh, country who are actually working from it. As a matter of fact, uh, I was in Nebraska. I just like would like to end with this that um, who said during my talk we did a one minute meditation
0: yeah. where
2: I asked folks I asked folks in the audience there was about 500 people in the audience just to put your hand over your heart and send some positive energy and love to your heart, because I don't wanna just talk about stress, I actually wanna practice stress relief. And and afterwards, she sent me the most pointed email where she told me that um, when she opened her eyes, she was in tears, that she realized that she had not been taking care of herself. She'd been caring for others and that she was really, um, what she was doing was unsustainable. And since then, she she and I have been in touch. And she's completely transformed her life, and and now she's actually working on the playbook and sharing that with others, and is looking to see how we can do more of this work for wellness directors and for caregivers, you know, everywhere. So, you know, how to impact culture, where as you say, you know, it's you know, it's just not the technology; it's really the people who can you know deliver on it. And so, uh, yeah, the playbook is there. There are a number of authors that I started reading about, about brain science and other things that I think will will leave people, you know, in the right place. So thank you so much for this opportunity. I uh, really appreciate it.
1: Jerry, before you leave us, uh, could you just uh, say the website name for us so our, our audience, you know, has an opportunity to go back, uh, look at this oh. book, and look at the other content?
2: Oh, sure. So my website is jerrybridge.com. So it's J-E-R-R-Y, B R I D G E dot com, that's my name, jerrybridge.com, dot com. And then you'll see a tab for resources and then books and mini books. And it's all it's all there for the taking, the white paper on integrity, the white paper on the principles and the playbooks and, and some of the some of the latest blogs that I've written on these issues and more. So so there you go.
1: Thank you, Jerry. I've certainly spent quite a bit of time uh, reading through, so I, I really appreciate it. And, you know, it's a, it's a passion of mine as well. I do deeply yeah. care about people issues. As an organization, we care about people issues. And uh, so thank you very much, Jerry. Doc, back awesome. to you.
0: Thank you, Naveen. Thank you, Jerry. And just a reminder for folks, it's jerrybridge.com. Look for that resources drop down, and look for books and mini books and you'll find some great reading material. That concludes today's episode of the Matrix Care Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to visit us at www.matrixcare.com for more information on our products and services. We'd love to hear from you. Please give us your feedback here on iTunes, or let us know uh, what you think about future podcast topics uh, that you'd like to see discussed. So on behalf of Matrix Care and today's guest, Jerry Bridge, thanks for listening. We hope to have you back
1: for another episode of the Matrix Care Podcast.